Before we get started with this week's show, we'd just like to point you in the direction of the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. For match day edits, polls, competitions, and more, be sure to check out We Are Southampton on Instagram. Matt, who runs the page, has been a supporter of this show from the very beginning. He did our logo, he's been a guest, and has been a huge help in getting this thing off the ground. So be sure to check out We Are Southampton on Instagram and give him a follow. And now, here's the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. My name is Matt Markson, I'm the host of the show, and I'd like to thank you for making the show part of your day. My guest this week is Blake Hampton. You can find him on Twitter at SFC Blake. You can get his writing at the Saints Report and at EIF Soccer, and the links to all of those, as always, are in the show notes. This week, Southampton went to Selhurst Park. We had an away day in London, and we came away with all three points. And granted, Palace are a bit of a mess. Uh, they've just sacked their manager after four matches, and... Um, you know, even our manager had some comments about how they've gone about their business, but uh, we'll leave that to them because that's not our, really our business. But this week, Blake and I will talk about that trip. We'll talk about the match and some of the things that we did differently as a, as a team. And and I'll just have to kind of clue you in. If you don't follow on Twitter, um, my wife and I have been out of town. So I was watching this from a hotel room at 4.30 a.m. while she was trying to sleep. And I think she slept through it. I don't really remember waking her up during the match, but I was also extremely tired. The next morning, Sunday morning, when Blake and I recorded this, I recorded it sitting at a picnic table um, in the smoking kind of outdoor section of the hotel. So you'll hear some birds, you'll hear some cars, you'll hear some car alarms, you'll hear uh, people walking by and uh, all kinds of stuff like that. But hopefully it doesn't sound too bad. Hopefully it just adds to kind of the ambiance and what was going on. So uh, somebody did comment on Twitter that I looked a bit like a homeless podcaster. So just imagine that happening 7am, me sitting at a, at, a, at a table outside talking to a guy on Skype, using my phone as a hotspot and hoping that, you know, nobody, nobody does anything horrible to me while I'm not, while I'm really not concentrating on anything except for talking to Blake and trying to stay awake. And I can say that like, as, as someone who drinks a lot of coffee and someone who's a, a coffee snob, um, the coffee at that hotel was absolutely atrocious. And that is all I had had that morning until after I talked to Blake, because none of the coffee shops around there open until 7.30, which is a, abs- an absolute disgrace. Like who, I don't know, never mind. doesn't matter. Anyway, overall, a really, really good weekend. Uh, lots of fun with my wife, lots of fun watching Saints win, um, just just overall lots and lots of fun a great conversation with Blake that I will play for you now in just a second so just a reminder this is Blake Campton you can find him on Twitter at SFC Blake and uh, you can get his writing at the Saints Report and at EIF Soccer and I think that's enough of a ramble for me um, we've just gotten home not too long ago we have to uh, unpack and things like that but I got to get this out for you so I hope you enjoy it um, thanks for tuning in to episode 37 of the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Here's my conversation with Blake Hampton, mostly about our trip to Selhurst Park. Go, 
We'd like to welcome back to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all the SFC fans, Blake Hampton. You can find him on Twitter at SFC Blake. Uh, he writes for the Saints Report and EIF Soccer. Busy with work, all kinds of, of life changes. But Blake, welcome back and I appreciate you taking the time to do this. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate you having me on. My, my pleasure. My pleasure. Um, I don't know if you can hear it, but I'm sitting outside of my hotel room and um, there's birds and freeway and people so hopefully it's a, it's a i think people are staring at me going what the hell is this guy doing but it's okay and it's like what seven in the morning for you too yes yes <laughs> it, it's 9 a.m here so it's <laughs> i'm a little more awake i think it would be more weird if it was like you know 4 30 like yesterday but yeah <laughs> <laughs> then it's just then, then security's coming but whatever so I mean, you, you've gone through a couple changes since last time we talked. I think I, I can't remember how long ago it was, but it, it's been a while. Um, yeah. And, you know, you, you still write and do some stuff. But what else is kind of going on with you these days? Um, I'm not sure if this was the case when we last talked, but I am engaged now. Well, congratulations. Um, well, thank you. I appreciate it. So I guess that's a that's a big change in life. I, I moved from Kansas City to the St. Louis area in that time period. And I started a full-time job back in March as a professional mechanical engineer. And I actually just got promoted to the aftermarket and uh, compressed air service manager uh, for the company. So I've been, I've been really busy with work and being an engaged person now and all the responsibilities that come with that. So <laughs> that's, that's been, uh, that's been my life up to this point. Being engaged can be uh, difficult yeah. and really, really enjoyable. <laughs> and I'm not just talking about like, you know, to your, to your fiance, just being engaged with different things. Cause I'm sure you have to engage at work and everything else too. So it's, it's all, yeah, yeah. but, but welcome to adulthood and congratulations. <laughs> Hey, I appreciate it. It's been quite the step. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Responsibilities have grown, and uh, yeah, adulting is a great time. Yeah, um, it's it's great though. It's it's good, and and congratulations on the promotion too. That's a big deal. Um, I appreciate it. So, how has that kind of has that affected how you how you go about writing about soccer in general at all? Um. I mean, I guess so. I, I don't know if it's had a real, I mean, it's impacted how much I can write, uh, more than anything. You know, I, I, I guess my viewpoint on football has just kind of, you know, maintain this, maintain the same. Um, I'm not as stressed as everyone else is, <laughs> maybe on the football side of things because I have so much else that's stressing me out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I, I'm kind of using football as more of as a, as an escape than me putting, you know, all my efforts into it and making it something that regularly frustrates me. So I guess, I guess my viewpoints kind of changed in that perspective to kind of sit back and enjoy it as the game that it is rather than, uh, you know, something that just regularly stresses me out. Yeah. I think it's difficult sometimes because we get so wrapped up in every little detail. And for me, that was really difficult over the summer when there were no matches and it was just the transfer window. And it's like, I, it's almost like you're addicted to just refresh, refresh, refresh. And it's oh, been it annoying. Yeah. It's been, it's been <laughs> nice now that the matches are going and you know, we've talked, I get up pretty early, but I was more than happy to, you know, wake up yesterday and just lay in bed and watch the, the match. And it was, a uh, uh, kind of a relief. I didn't, I didn't type any notes. I just went down and, and did that afterwards. And it was just, I just got to watch the match and I actually took a five minute nap during halftime. It was perfect. So, uh, really, <laughs> really enjoyed it. But looking 
at yesterday at the match against Crystal Palace. Of course, we, we got the win. Um, but like, I, I guess before we get into the match itself, just what what's going on with Crystal Palace from your perspective? I I don't even know what's going on. I don't. And the thing is, I don't think they know what's going on. I I, I don't think you can really judge a manager off of four matches when they sacked Frank Tabor uh, just four matches into the season. I I think it's unfair for you to bring in Frank DeBoer as a manager, give him a Crystal Palace roster, and then expect him to play like Ajax. You know, it's like, it's like, did they even do homework on their managerial choices? Did they, I'm wondering if they even had an interview process or if they were just looking to the media to say who are the popular managerial candidates at this time and just kind of hire the one that they could get. You know, it's like they had no clue what kind of style he was going to play, what he was going to bring. And then after four matches into it, you don't even give him a chance to really make the team what he envisioned it being. And that's not a team with like a bunch of talent on it. You know, they, Benteke is good, but he, he hasn't gotten started firing. Uh, he's pretty inconsistent. I mean, they have Mamadou Sacco, uh, in the back, but he's not fit enough to play yet. So I, I, I don't know what you really expected Frank DeBoer to do after just four matches with that kind of roster. I mean, obviously it was kind of worst case scenario where they hadn't scored yet and hadn't won a game, but I mean, I, <laughs> I just think getting rid of them after four matches is, uh, just kind of shows the incompetence of their board and kind of where they're, where they're at right now. Yeah, I, I mean, I heard there was a bunch of stuff going on behind the scenes, but I mean, that's all media speculation. But you, you think, you know, you, you give, like you said, you give them a, a Crystal Palace squad that was built by Sam Allardyce, and then you, you tell them to go, you know, go do what you want. And there was some talk that he kind of said he was going to do one thing, and then kind of just went f- for full sale change. And they, they were watching, you know, practices and things like that, and it just wasn't going well. But it, it does seem a bit harsh. But then now this is the second time that Frank DeBoer has been chopped that that quickly you know inter did it as well so hopefully yeah i've heard i've heard some stuff about you know if aston villa continues on with kind of the streak that they're going on right now they end up getting rid of steve bruce he's kind of a lead candidate to step into into that squad so i mean i i don't know much about that but it i i don't think this is frank DeBoer's last managerial stint and you know, when, when you're looking at these squads enter as well as Crystal Palace, I mean, you kind of have to, I mean, I don't think Frank DeBoer has done a great job per se, but I don't, I, I think it's just easy to point your finger at the manager and just get rid of him when things start going bad rather than looking to other reasons. Yeah. I mean, you got to look at the board and the structure and, and how things are all running overall. And I, I think I have a bit of a soft spot for Crystal Palace. I, you know, that's a fan base that's really passionate and it's, you know, you look at the ground, it looks like it's, you know, uh, small and, and I guess the, the, the nice word is intimate and, and there's all, and there's a lot of noise and things like that. And it looks like a, a good time. And so yeah, I kind of want to see them do well, but it just, it's just not happening for them. So hopefully, hopefully they turn it around. Hopefully they can start scoring and stuff like that, but, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, but I guess let's go ahead and talk about, uh, the match. Just, just, let's get into it. Um, the formation came out standard formation, uh, four, two, three, one. Any any thoughts on, on who we had and how we how we lined up? Um, so when I first saw the lineup, I I thought that it personally looked really good. Uh, the only thing that I would have personally changed at the start uh, was switching out Shane Long for Manolo Gabbiadini. Um, other than that, I kind of liked the positioning of everyone. I I think that you know having everyone's really hating on uh, Dusan Tadic lately. Um, but I, you know, I look at the rest of the roster. I'm like, who else can 
give us an opportunity to score or, you know, create something more than Deuce on Tadich. So um, I know that, you know, him and really him is kind of the main question mark on that starting lineup. And also there was a lot of, uh, I guess, hate for starting Shane Long. So that would, that would have been my the only difference there. Um, I personally like the four-two-three-one formation. I think when we're doing good, you know, when we're playing well with it, we look really good. Um, obviously, with the lack of goals, people kind of are, you know, wanting two strikers in our formation. But I, I have no issue with this. Yeah, it was. I think it's a good. I think it was a good lineup. I think it was, it was solid. And I think the. I think more importantly than than how we lined up or who we lined up was the message that they went out there with and kind of the mindset they had. And it looked much different than, than in previous, in previous weeks when we kind of got walked over by Watford. Um, one thing that I, I, I wasn't sure about was I liked the Stevens Hoot partnership last week, even though when you look at Benteke and who we're playing against, maybe, maybe you need somebody a bit stronger, you know, and, and maybe that's not Stevens. And I thought you, she did a really good job with him. So I, I was kind of, at least in my head, kind of doubting that a little bit. I, I think that, I think that Stevens is better on the ball, but, um, you know, you have Hoot to do that and he, was just fine spraying passes all over the place. So that, that, that worked out beautifully. And, and we have to say that yesterday that with Cedric and Tadic, usually I think our, most of our attacks kind of develop down the left hand side with Bertrand overlapping with Redmond. And that's where the, the, the threat comes from. But yesterday, um, Tadic and Cedric had it, had it working pretty well, I think. So, um, and that's, that's of course where the goal came from, from Davis. So, um, from down that side. But what, what did you, uh, looking at the first half, kind of what, what stood out to you as uh, some, maybe some changes from previous weeks? Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of things that I really, you know, enjoyed about that first half. And the first one was actually the surprise of Shane Long. And what I, you know, everyone really talks about his work ethic and how he can always go after the ball and it creates, uh, you know, kind of this uncomfortable situation for the defenders on the opposition because he's always chasing them down. And he's he's probably the, the fastest player in the Premier League. And so it was really interesting to see uh, when he was out there. You know, I'm, I'm sure when Crystal Palace saw that he was in the lineup, you know, it, it almost confused them because they were probably preparing for Manolo Gabbiadini. And when you have someone that's gone from, you know, kind of being the guy that you're playing to rather than someone who's always trying to run into space and always, you know, moving it probably caused a little bit of confusion for them. And so Shane Long really impressed me out there um, with how he was playing. And uh, another thing that I saw too, I mean, obviously Mario Lamina was phenomenal. He, he, he played one of the most impressive games, uh, you know, that we've seen at least this season, um, you know, if not the last couple of seasons. So it was really impressive to see uh, that. And Steven Davis in that 10 role, I'll, I'll tell you what, I, I mean, he, he looked really comfortable in that spot. And I think that we've been really struggling to find someone to fit into that center attacking midfield role. And, uh, I, I think if, if we continue to put him there, I, I think he's going to look really good. I, I think that, you know, if we continue on with him in our center attacking mid role, I'd, I'd really like to find someone in the January transfer window, but I think he looks really good out there. He does, he looks much more comfortable there than in that than sitting alongside Romeo. You know he doesn't look mm-hmm. good in that in that defensive role. He's just not. He seems like he slows the game down way too much. But given him the ability to to make runs into the box and to to really cause some people some some trouble and to kind of run with 
with Shane Long. And I, I thought it was all, I thought it worked out really, really well, but I was, maybe this is the wrong thing to say, but he's not, he's not like a sexy number 10, you know? Yeah. Like he doesn't, yeah. he doesn't kind of go like, Oh my goodness. Like I can't wait to watch him play there, but he does all of the things that you would kind of want. And so maybe I just need to get off his back a little bit, but, um, I thought he he did he did well. Um, obviously, he put himself in a great position for the goal and managed to squeeze it in. And that's you know that's what he gets. And like uh, I think yesterday was his 200th appearance. Is is what all the social media stuff said. So that was that's a that's a it's a big milestone and for him to get a goal on that day. It's it's even better. Um, but you also mentioned Mario Lamina, and I think the intensity that he brought to yesterday, whether it was just him or whether it was what Pellegrino said in the locker room, you know, we don't know, but he seemed to just go like, I'll put the, I'll put this whole midfield on my back and just go after and get after people. And that seemed to be what he did all, all day. Yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty unreal to see. And he, he's kind of that missing piece that we've really been looking for. Um, and you could tell throughout the, he kind of grew into the game. I mean, he played well from the start, but you could tell that his confidence kind of grew throughout the, the game and he was starting to get forward more often but what i really liked about what he was doing uh, i mean his passing was phenomenal his vision was spot on to play the play the right ball almost every single time i think it was 90 percent pass completion um but what really impressed me was when it was kind of getting into the defensive formation and they would uh play it up to their attacking midfielder um at the time Romeo would kind of sit back a little bit and he would keep the player in front of them and Mario Lamino would be the person to track it down and every single one of his tackles when he would come back were absolutely perfect and so I mean kind of in the past we see Romeo having to just sprint all over the field and at times he would have to get reckless uh, you know maybe because he was tired but uh, Romeo's not having to do everything now. He's not having to do all that defensive midfield work on his own. And us being able to conserve his energy with someone that is, you know, just as talented back there. I mean, it, it I think it's going to just change the entire outlook of our defensive, uh, defensive outlook for the season so i'm i'm really excited for what that pairing is going to look like and them being able to work off each other uh defensively yeah any any partnership you had you have to have a partnership you know and it seems like we finally have an actual partner and whenever whether whatever kind of relationship you have you know whether it's on on the football pitch or in in life and, and things like that if you if you are the one who has to do all the work or the other person's the one who has to do all the work eventually they get frustrated they get tired they get you know and they start to commit whether they're their you know little nitpicky fouls or whether they go you know whether your wife comes home and two foots you one day because she's doing all the work it's all <laughs> it all makes sense so it's nice that we we can do that to him because we don't you know we we can't have him going you know doing everything all, all alone and now he doesn't have to um yeah another thing that really stood out to me was just the the kind of the speed and the pace that we played at yesterday was much different than against Watford where we looked and and all of last year really where we looked slow and and methodical almost like we were overthinking every pass yesterday it seemed like we were willing to play a little bit more freely we were willing to move off the ball a little bit more and that we were like like I said it seemed like everybody was was up for the match and ready to go it seemed like yesterday that that mindset kind of kind of shifted a little bit and I, I have to say that I think Forrester came up pretty big as well there were there were a few chances that Crystal Palace had that he just man I don't know how he managed to keep the ball out of the net but he did and it wasn't that we were playing poorly and we gave up 
uh, a few chances other than, you know, Redmond slipped, I think, at one point and led to a chance. But for the most part, we we, we played really well and, and other teams are going to create chances every once in a while. And, and we need the, the goalkeeper to, to do what he did yesterday. Yeah. And, and on the on the speed of the game, I'm interested to see if we can sustain that, you know, over the next few games. Uh, Crystal Palace, when I when I was watching them play tactically, uh, they were really just kind of sitting back and letting us do what we want. So I'm interested to see going forward if we're able to sustain that speed of play or if it was really just Crystal Palace, you know, giving us so much time. I actually caught some slack on Twitter uh, for saying this, but I mean, they they were just giving us all the time in the world. And last week during Watford and any time that we've played a, a, a team so far that has been more of a high pressing team on us, we really struggle um, to be able to connect even like two or three passes in a row. Um, so, and at, when the second half started, uh, of this matchup, I know we're going to kind of get to that in a little bit, but they, they start, they kind of high pressed a little bit from the get go. And you could tell our comfort level really shrunk down a little bit, but then Crystal Palace got tired and they backed off again. And, uh, I mean, they had a few more opportunities, but we still, you know, we're in control of that game, but, um, just going forward, if we see a team that, continues to high press that's going to kind of be in my mind uh where we are at with our comfort level and our speed of play yeah yeah absolutely absolutely anything in the first half were you at all about about how we about how we played or were you overall i mean around 25 30 minutes into the match it seemed like crystal palace started to gain a little bit more of a foothold but that happens there's going to be even if you are the dominant team for the most part the other team is going to have a at least periods where where they are in control for a little bit and it seemed like you know we dealt with it pretty well you know you look at the halftime stats the possession of itself 63 percent for us eight shots three of them on target like you know that's that's pretty dominant you know versus last week when we didn't create a, a single chance until the stoppage time so um i was pretty happy with with, with how that went and the fact that Shane Long was only offsides once was a huge, a huge positive <laughs> because <laughs> that's not always what happens. Um, it's the little things. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, any, anything that, that you saw that maybe worried you, but uh, other than the fact that maybe Watford or sorry, that Crystal Palace allowed us to play the game that we wanted to play. Um, I mean the, the only like real negative that I saw, and I know a lot of fans are kind of worrying about this too, was, um, Nathan Redmond, I think he's a really good player. I, I think that he has a ton of potential. Um, but I, you know, it's kind of the same thing with Sophie and Buffal. I mean, he has a tough time making the right decision. You know, it, it sometimes he takes the ball on and he takes on a player when maybe he should just pass it off. And, uh, he passes it off when he has a bunch of space and he's always going to try and try the long shot. I mean, he has he's a really good long shot, but, um, I mean, he hasn't converted on it very frequently when there's, you know, a couple of players open and probably a better position to fire it off. And with the formation that we currently have and kind of the way our tactics are set up, our wing players need to have a pretty good chemistry with our fullbacks. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, you saw with Tadic and Cedric, they looked really good together. They were overlapping one another. They were playing each other into space and they really created a lot of opportunities. But Redman and Bertrand, I mean, when they were on the pitch and you saw that ball got played over to the left side, 
it was like a really dysfunctional marriage over there. I mean, they they were not passing into one another, and when they did, it was like going out of bounds. And uh, I mean, you could just tell it was very stressful over there when either of them got the ball. And they're both good players, but when they kind of have that dysfunction, I mean, you're not going to see anything being created over on that side. Yeah, and I thought that was a bit odd because I. I tend to think that 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 is where we we tend to be strong is down that side, I and mean, you have Bertrand kind of overlapping. And I know there's a lot of rumor right now about Bertrand being unhappy, but yeah, yesterday they, they just didn't look like it was clicking for them, and uh, it, that was frustrating. But luckily, um, Tadic over on the right, and and maybe Cedric really enjoyed it having Tadic over there instead of James Ward-Prowse. Maybe maybe Cedric and Tadic just have a little bit more chemistry, and I think Tadic can do a little bit more to get Cedric the ball overlapping in, in different. Di- play the ball at different angles for him and get him into space where he can, he can put crosses in. And last year, Cedric was the most accurate crosser of the ball in all of the premier league. And, and so to give him that opportunity, whereas maybe James Ward Prowse wasn't, wasn't helping him out in that situation. I don't really understand, you know, I don't, I'm not a winger and I don't, I don't watch kind of a lot off the ball movement because the TV doesn't allow me to, but like, um, <laughs> uh, but I, I assume that there's something going on out there that I'm that I'm missing, and so maybe Tadic provides that. So it was, it was good. I, I think into the second half, we were really we did well to win a lot of the second balls. We were we were getting there first, whereas in past weeks we were kind of allowing the other team to get to those balls and, and create those chances and kind of recycle the ball and all that stuff. So I was really really happy with with all of that, and I think we've kind of we've kind of said that. But any any moments in the second half where you really one way or another were pleased with or that that worried you i I have the one in my head that redmond was sitting there with the ball at his feet in the box and just didn't shoot and it was like that was you know i'm laying in bed at this point it's like you know 5 15 and i'm like laying there you know yelling silently because i don't want to wake my wife up but it was yeah it was frustrating and like you know i'm i I want redmond to do well but this is exactly what you're talking about where he doesn't take the opportunity that he's he's given yeah and and that entire opportunity was actually created by Mario Lamina. I mean, he started from the, you know, the halfway point on the pitch, dribbled it through probably about two or three guys on the opposition from uh-huh. Crystal Palace and, you know, just put it right on a plate for Redmond to finish it off. And I, he may have just been surprised that he was that open, um, that he was like, wow, I've never had this much space before to take off a shot, but it, it just, nothing came out of it. And, I think it ended up being blocked or one of their defenders kicked it out. Um, so it, it was a little worrying, but the, you know, the fact that we were able to create that and the fact that we now have someone who's able to, you know, kind of create that on their own, you know, from that space, that's really exciting to see. And we didn't really talk about him much from the first half, but Wesley Hoot, I mean, talk, talk about someone who just looks comfortable on the ball, plays beautiful long balls across the field I mean, I, I was just overall really impressed with what he can personally bring to our side. And that second half, I mean, you could tell we were kind of starting to pack it in um, once we brought on Van Dyke too, mm-hmm. uh, which we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. But from what I saw, when, when we have that kind of formation out there and we're able to just pack it in, I mean, it's not sexy to see as as you were kind of talking about earlier when, when a team's packing it in but it's gonna be tough to beat us if, we, if we're able to score that first goal and we start playing you know that pack it in kind of uh game plan we're gonna be tough to beat i, I genuinely think that 
and and so that was that was exciting to see that we're you know we score early and we're able to maintain that lead throughout the entire game. I mean that I I think that's really exciting for for us to see as fans. Yeah, and and you could definitely sense the the change in tactics uh, late in the game, but it seemed like we were pressing. We were still looking for a second goal. We didn't just. We didn't pull the Mourinho where we scored in the sixth minute and immediately brought on the, <laughs> yeah. the, the extra defender, you know. But we did towards the end of the game. You can see the the change in in, in the game plan, and I I think it I think that's smart. I think that's what you have to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess we can kind of get to that uh, as as we go on. And you know, we look at at the substitutions that that Pellegrino made, and James Ward-Prowse coming on for Redmond. That that's pretty standard. Redmond wasn't having a great game. James Ward-Prowse offers you a little bit more level-headedness i think yeah and so i think that's a that's a that's a solid move and then kind of i think the one we're all thinking about is is you pull tadich off and you put van dyke in and for me here's here's what my limited kind of football knowledge tells me is that you don't really want to mess with that center back partnership and one how 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 are the fans going to react how is you know what's that going to do to the to the support that we have and it's it's i i I read that there were a few boos and, and things like that and people saying some unsavory things that I won't repeat on the podcast about, about <laughs> him. But, you know, he came in and it, and he did his job. He was only in for, you know, five minutes or, or seven or eight minutes, but he, he seemed to do, um, his job. And, and I, I know I realized that we skipped over Wesley Hood a little bit, but we'll get to that. Um, but what did you make of, of, of those two substitutions? Any, any issue with, with him bringing Van Dyke on in that situation? Uh, no, no, I, I had no issue at all. I, I think that it, it's a good thing to ease someone back into, it, especially when it kind of had that toxic environment that it was during the transfer window. Um, I think putting him on, you know, slightly towards the end at an away game, give the fans, you know, their emotional outlet uh, at the away stadium. And then people aren't going to be nearly as shocked when he is playing uh, at home next opportunity they get right um i i personally think so the subs were in the 84th minute the 87th minute and like the 91st minute i think i personally think that all those substitutions should have been made 10 minutes earlier uh from from that point you know i you, you kind of saw that they i mean crystal palace wasn't like a not dangerous team you know they, they there were two shots that we talked about a little bit earlier that forrester wow he he had himself a hell of a game um, but you, you kind of see we are getting a little bit tired there. And so, you know, I think those substitutions should have been made a little bit earlier. I think there really is something, uh, when you were talking about the chemistry and how you don't want to mess that up with a center back partnership. Um, you know, but it's just one of those things. Van Dyke is so talented. And if you're throwing a talented player out there on the pitch, I don't think it makes you worse. Um, so I think it was a good move on Pellegrino's part, uh, to put him out there. Um, I, you know, I, I personally can't put, complain because we did come away with the win. Uh, football is always going to be based off of small margins, um, and we didn't we didn't concede, we didn't give up a goal. So I, I guess at the end of the day, you 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 have to be happy with that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I don't think I, I don't think I can complain about yesterday. I think it, maybe maybe the substitutions come a little bit earlier, but you know that 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 change to go to go kind of five at the back or three at the back, whatever you want to call it in that situation, that's a, that's a, that's a well-planned kind of, if the game goes like this, this is what we're doing. I bet you everybody knows that. I bet you the team knew that that was the plan. And so to have that happen and everybody kind of just go like that, boom, that works, lock it, lock it down. 
get out of there with three points, call it good. I think that was, I think that was, that was great. Um, yeah. and I kind of think that Gabby Dini for a long substitution is just to waste time, you know, <laughs> it, yeah. it, it, it was just like, let's, we're going to use all three and, then, and that's smart. That's game management. And that's what we, that's what we want and expect. And I think that's much more, maybe it's more, it, it, it's easier to anticipate as an opposing coach, but <laughs> versus the, the kind of wacky substitutions we saw last year under Powell, it was, it, it's, it's a welcome change, but <laughs> You know, in the end, uh, yeah, Crystal Palace a little more into it the second half. Finished the game with 55% possession for us. Eight shots, I think, four on target. You know, still pretty fairly dominant. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I think when we were on four po- or five points after four matches, I was not happy. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I guess I, I realize it's only one more game. And, but but to, to look at it and say five ma- eight points from five matches, it's not great. But it's still it's better than it was. And I think, I think it puts us, it hopefully it kind of springboards us moving forward. And uh, we have a tough match next weekend, but, but I think we'll be uh, better, better for it now that we've kind of gotten a win under our belt and uh, at an away ground and, and things like that. Yeah. I mean, my over optimistic self was hoping slash predicting that we were going to end up with after our first 10 matches, because these were uh, on our first 10 matches were pretty easy fixtures for us uh, besides this Manchester United game coming up. Uh, but I was predicting us to come out with like 20 points from it. And that was kind of, as I said, my over optimistic self, but honestly, I mean, we're kind of we're on pace. We, we, we can still hit that. So, I mean, if, if we can, if we can end up with these next, you know, five matches coming up, if we can come out with another nine points, I, I would consider, uh, these first 10 matches to be, at least from my perspective, a, a, a good a good start to the season. I think when you're averaging about two points uh, per game, you're not you're not doing too bad. No, I mean that's going to put you up there in the 70s and at the end of the at the end of the season, that's that's it's really good. You know, most, yeah, that's great. <laughs> that's versus where we were at. You know, last year you got like we said, there's always teams just trying to get to to 40. You know, the, the Tony Pulis. Uh, you know, 40 points or so. And I think they said, uh, there were some stats. It's actually like, it's like 38 points kind of makes you safe. Um, but I, I, I don't want to just have 38 points. I'd rather have, of course, I'd rather have 70 or 60 or, you know, 59, whatever it is. I, I, I'd rather more points. And so I think if we can set ourselves up to do that, that's, that's kind of what we need to do. Um, cause that Christmas, the Christmas fixture list is not kind to us, but we'll deal with that when it gets here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I did I just want to make one more mention of, uh, who, but I think we'll do that in when we answer the, the questions here. Um, do you mind kind of moving on towards the listener questions? Do you have any final thoughts on the game? Um, no, not, I, I think that, you know, when, when you're looking at what Pellegrino wants to do, I don't, I still don't think we know. I, I still don't think that you can say that you know what Pellegrino wants to do. And uh, I know a lot of people, like, there was a little bit of pressure coming on him after last week's match against Watford, which I think is extremely unfair um but i don't you know it's kind of like the DeBoer thing i mean we we gave him this roster that he's really had no say on besides mario lamina and wesley hoot and uh i mean yan benaric but he uh, that was coming into fruitation even before he was hired as our manager so i mean he was given this roster and we genuinely don't know what he thinks about any one of those players he always dodges those questions in his press conferences saying, these are the players that I've been given. You know, when, when asked about how he's feeling about a certain player, these are the players that I've been given and I'm going to do the best that I can with them. So we don't, we don't know what he thinks about this roster. We, 
we, we don't know exactly what he wants to do yet. I think it's going to be a little more clear, you know, by the end of the season. But, you know, I, I don't think that we have really seen the team that we are wanting to be yet. And I'm excited to see because we do look decent. I, I think we look like a pretty good team. And I'm excited to see what he can do for us uh, going forward. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know. You can't. I think those are all the questions we want him to be asked, but I don't think he can answer those. You know, I don't think yeah. it's, yeah, no. I mean, I mean <laughs> no, if, you, if he's, not. if he says too much more strongly, these are the players I've been given that just, cause everybody's going to read into that. I don't like these players or whatever. And we don't, we don't, yeah, don't want to do that. So I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like the, we go into a press conference and there's no winning for, for the manager. And then that just in turn makes them shut down and not want to talk. And then you get, you know, the Pep Guardiola's or the, the Jose Mourinho's where it's just a, it, just anger and hate filled. And that's just not, it's not what I yeah. want. <laughs> Um, speaking of relationships, it's not, at least they're in, at least our press conferences are interesting to listen to now. And there are no more opportunities and possibilities, yes. uh, to get in each one of these. So it's a, it's a breath of fresh air, but yeah, I totally get what you mean. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's, let's go ahead and talk about the listener question. I think this will help us kind of wrap it up. Um, yeah. so tractor Saint who is at tractor Saint said, should there be a first team place for a VVD each week, given his previous actions, or will he have to fight for his place now? Hmm. I mean, I, I think that every player should have to fight for their place. I, I don't think anyone should just be gifted a uh, starting spot. But with that being said, I think that he is easily the most talented player on our team. Um, this is the business, and you know, I on these type of questions, I like to put my. Uh, you know, business mindset, business thinking over my emotional mindset and thinking. And I think if you want to be the best team that you can be this season, I think you got to play. I, I, th- I think he's got to be a regular starter in the team. I, I think that, as I said, he's one of the best players on our team, if not the best player on our team. And uh, if you want to end up in the highest position, I think you got to play him. Who plays next to him? Based on what we have seen these last two games, I think it's got to be Wesley Hoot. And if it, if we didn't have Wesley Hoot, I think it has to be Maya Yoshida. Um, from what, what I saw uh, yesterday and last week, I think that I think that Stevens um, is a really good player. And I think that in the future, he's going to be really great for us. Um, but I think that in that center back position, leadership is kind of everything. Um, someone to kind of command, lead by example. And I think my Yoshida yesterday, having, having someone out there who is able to be that leader really makes a big difference, uh, whether you can see it, uh, whether you can see it visually or not. And so I, I think that that's really important. But Wesley Hood, I think, is really talented. I think he is really comfortable on the ball. His defending looks great. Uh, his speed isn't the best, but, you know, that's that's compensated by everything else that he brings to the table. I think those are the two most talented defenders uh, on our team, Wesley Hoot and Virgil van Dyke. And I think they should be the starting pair going forward. Yeah. And, and of course it, it, it is, it's all down to what they do during training and things like that. But I think, I think like you said, Virgil van Dyke is, is the best center back we have. He's one of the best center backs, not just in the premier league. I think he's one of the best center backs in Europe. And maybe that's just me because I'm a fan and saying that, but I really do, I really do believe that. Um, but I, like, like you said, I was really impressed with both Yoshida and Hoot yesterday. The passes that, that Hoot was playing out to Tadic, those reminded me of kind of the things that Van Dyke did 
last year, you know, the, those types yeah. of balls that, that we just didn't have, we don't have coming from our other, other center backs. Steven says, well, with the ball on the ground, um, playing it into the feet, but it's usually to the feet of, of Romeo or, or whoever's playing in central midfield, not, um, being able to switch the play and completely change the dynamic. And I think that when you saw, you know, you watch that ball, as soon as that ball's hit out towards Tadic, you see Cedric start to break. And then that's when we get the, you know, that's when we start to create opportunities, um, and, and put pressure on the other team, which is what we need. So, um, happy with that. Um, mm-hmm. next question says with the spine, uh, the center backs, we have Lamina Romeo. Will we win the league? <laughs> Shannon. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to say yes. I, I love <laughs> Shannon's question. Uh, I'm all in. I'm putting the bet in now. Um, saints to win the league. Uh, I think we're going to clear it by about six points. Um, love that Shannon. Love that question. I'm feeling good about it. <laughs> <laughs> all right here we go uh i you know i i think i know he's joking when he asks but it's 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 fantastic um i think i think it makes us a lot a lot, lot better and we looked you know can't read too much into a game but we looked so much better yesterday than we had in previous weeks so it was it was pretty good um and then i think we have a, another question from 1885 the art of and he asks, if we get if we got sixty for Van Dyke, and we can buy two thirty million pound players, I guess what one other player would you get rid of to make room in the squad, and then who would you get? And of course, this is January, <laughs> so remember prices price inflation is there. Hmm. Um. I I think that having a player that can create. Um. One of my biggest issues going into this season was not having. I think our strikers are really good. I I think that they're going to provide a lot of goals for us. But I don't think we have a goal scoring midfielder, and I think that's going to be a huge issue for us going forward. I I think we have players that can create. I don't think we have anyone that can score. Um. So I think Zayac out of Ajax, he's a really great player that you know can put the ball in the back of the net. He can create from nothing. Um. He he's kind of a better version of Buffal, like a already uh he he's reaching his potential already and not like a raw player so i think that he's someone that we that i would want to bring in um to make room or you know to, to actually play and i think that he would have to replace you know probably redmond in the squad redmond or whoever we decide whoever's our flavor of the week on that right wing side you know but that I, I just think we need someone that can a midfielder that can put the ball in the back of the net. I, I know a lot of people are asking for a target man, uh, someone big, you know, that we can just kind of play the ball into the box. Um, and he can just kind of go up for it. But I, I think that, you know, our strikers are going to be able to score if we put them in the right opportunity. Uh, I, I think Gabby Dini makes beautiful runs, but no one plays men. Uh, so I, I think that's just kind of our biggest need as of right now. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And then Christian, who has been on the show before, he's at underscore Candler. He asks, he says, being an American Saints fan can be hard. What's the craziest story you have about watching us in the morning? So I'll let you start. I have a couple that, that spring to mind immediately. But what, what about you? Well, um, you know, all, all these games are so early for us. <laughs> to, you know, like yesterday I was up at four thirty five in the morning uh, to watch this game. So it was... Uh, you know, you're, you're just regularly getting up really early for these matches. And I guess the craziest one that I have was our uh, our cup final game against Manchester United. And um, 
I mean, usually I'm really good at containing my excitement uh, when when we're scoring. Uh, but I, you know, that that game I just couldn't contain it at all, and I'm on the top floor of an apartment complex, and so, <laughs> I mean, you know, it. My my neighbors are. It, it's like you know, six in the morning, six thirty in the morning. We're scoring goals, and I'm just sprinting around my you know apartment in excitement, and I get a knock at my door, which is some very unhappy people underneath me. So, it's <laughs> that's probably the craziest one that I have. Um, you know, other than that, we're just, you know, we're regularly having to give up sleep for the love of Southampton and it's, it's certainly worth it. Yeah. I mean, for me, I, I, I get up pretty early anyway, but I think I would have a harder time, you know, the, like the guys in Australia that have to stay up or Dubai that have to stay up till like 11 PM for the match to start. Like that would ruin me. There's no way I could do that. Um, yeah. <laughs> because I, I'm on, we're on a bit of a vacation weekend now and my body is just, I mean, it's only, I, I'm only 32. Like I should be able to do this a little bit and my body is just completely beat down. And it's just from staying up late, just, just two or three nights in a row. And I, I don't know, but I, I have a couple of, of stories that kind of just watching football in the morning. Um, the start of last season, I believe my grandmother had some health issues and, and what we were down in the hospital with her, you know, she, she winds up passing away like late, late, into the, into the morning. And as I'm, as I'm driving home from the, from the hospital, um, I, I pull up and in the first game of the, of the season is on it. And it's, it's just like, you know, in that moment I didn't want to go to sleep. I was pretty upset. And it's just like that. I'm just sitting there watching, you know, at you know four o'clock in the morning. And it kind of is just a, a, a nice way to like escape and forget about things. Um, but that's kind of sad and I'm not sure I want to put that out there. So let's go with another <laughs> one. Um, I think the, Another one was last last year when we played Liverpool, we had like kind of the plan to record with somebody right on the whistle. Like they were going to the match um, or they were going to watch the match and then they were going to record directly after that. And so my wife's birthday party was the night before. And so that's another instance where we were up until <laughs> up really late. Yeah. Like we're talking. I want to say I want to say I was I was asleep for like 45 minutes. And I'm just like trying to stay awake. And that game was dreadful. Like it was, it was horribly boring. And so to sit there and have to kind of like try to stay awake and try to, and just hope. And there's people in the house because people slept over because, you know, things happened. And, and it was, yeah. uh, that, 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 that's always interesting. And then like, you know, you got yesterday where I'm, I'm laying in a hotel room and it's like, I'm going to turn the TV on and hope my wife doesn't wake up. Um, cause there's nowhere to, uh, there's no really nowhere to go watch. Uh, without, without doing that. And I'm not going to, I'm in a, I'm in a strange city. I'm not going to go out and like sit at a picnic table, record a podcast yeah. in the morning. <laughs> See if any bars are open at 5am. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I did actually, there was a, there's another guy here, uh, Jeremy Orr. He's a Saints fan as well. And I had messaged him and it was kind of hoping like, you know, Hey man, you going to watch the game? You know, is there anywhere I can watch the game? And I just, you know, and he was like, he's like the night before is my birthday. He's like any other time, any other match any other day, like come over. He's like, but I'm not going to be in any shape to, to, to get up that early. He's like, I'm going to record it and watch it later. And I was like, all right, fair enough. And then yeah. in California, we can't serve uh there's no alcohol served before 6am between 2pm and 6 or 2am and 6am. So none of the bars were open. So there was none of that. So, you know, just, just watch it by myself in the room. It was totally fine. It was nice and relaxing. And then, you know, come out here and do this and it's all, it all it's all good. Yeah. But I think I think that does it. I don't know if any of those stories are good, Christian. I hope that satisfies your 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 needs there. Um, 
All right, man. Well, well, thank you so much for doing that. I don't want to take up too much of your time and I appreciate you you doing this and we'll have to do it again soon. Yeah, man, for sure. Thank, thanks for having me. Sorry, sorry we had to, both had to get up so early for this, but we knocked it out. We're both up now and have a, have a safe trip back. Yeah, yeah, I got to go. This is always my debate now is like, do I go back in or do I just stay out here and start editing, which is probably the wrong move. I should probably take my yeah. wife some breakfast. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> All right. That's a good, that's a good plan. All right, man. Well, I will, I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Yeah, man. Take it easy. Later. And that does it for this episode of the Southampton delivery podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton football club and all of the SFC fans. I'd like to thank you all for listening. I'd like to thank my guest, Blake Hampton, for joining the show. Once again, you can find him on Twitter at SFC Blake, and you can get his writing at the Saints Report and at EIF Soccer. I would also like to thank my wife for understanding that even when she and I are on vacation, that I'm still going to get up at 4.30 in the morning to watch Southampton and still loving me for it and still um, uh, even encouraging me to do it because she knows that I love it. Um, And also for understanding that the morning after I watch the team at 4.30, I'm going to get up about the same time to record a podcast, even if it means sitting in the dark at a picnic bench outside of a hotel in a place we're not really familiar with. Um, Thanks. You're special. I'm lucky. Everybody tells me, and I believe them. And also, shout out to Jeremy Orr, who is a Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area, a Saint supporter. Uh, we met up at an MLS match, got to have a drink together, chat a little bit. Uh, it was good to meet you and your wife. Uh, congratulations on the baby. I hope it all goes well. And for me, that pretty much does it. If you don't follow this show on Twitter, you can do that at SFCDELL underscore IVERY. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash SFCDELIVERY. There is no underscore in the Facebook address. If you haven't subscribed to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, ACAST, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, or wherever else you get your podcast, please do so. Uh, that way you'll be sure not to miss next week's episode, which will be out next Tuesday. So with all that being said, three points this weekend good weekend. I hope you have a good week. And until next time, remember that together we march on.